0: This is Charlie O'Shields, and welcome back to another episode of Sketching Stuff. Life just wouldn't be the same without family. Whether it's children, parents, grandparents, and even our pets, there's a beautiful bond there that touches our hearts in a unique and special way. Here in the States, our holidays begin with Thanksgiving, which by itself is a rather beautiful idea. The notion of giving thanks for all of the important and wonderful things in your life is certainly a good thing to do pretty much any time of the year. And no matter how delicious the food might be or how beautiful the house might be decorated, it's really those moments spent with family that make it all truly special. Though some of my family members are no longer with me, their memories are something I cherish, and I think about them every day. The rest are miles or even an ocean away, and I don't get to see them very often. But that's the beautiful thing about family. No matter how far away, the connection is always as close as your heart. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Where the wildflowers grow. When I was a kid, I would spend many days in the summer on my grandparents' farm. The days would often be so hot and bright that everything was almost burnished to a pure white in the glaring sun. The only thing you could spot were the various wildflowers growing alongside the gravel road. It was all very different from the manicured lawns and carefully placed flowers of the suburbs that I lived in. These flowers were dotted along the landscape at irregular intervals and yet seemed perfectly in place—nature's landscaping. I would pick a few and take them back to the farmhouse with me, a souvenir of found treasures plunked into a glass jar for safekeeping. My grandmother had names for all of them—names that didn't come out of books but were passed down through the generations, including some that couldn't be repeated in polite company today. She's no longer with us, but each time I see a collection of wildflowers, I still think of her to this day. It's funny that sometimes the memories we attach to people aren't always the obvious ones. My grandmother was far more known for her quilting, and I still have cherished blankets that she spent days carefully crafting. This would be a more expected thing to associate, but many of those little squares of recycled fabric also contain flowers. From her perfume to the soap she kept in the house, the soft, sweet, and earthy smell of flowers were a constant. Beyond that, I remember the intangibles most, her incredible sense of humor that almost seemed too modern in its uncanny wit and observational insight. She was my mentor growing up, teaching me things that I mostly took for granted at the time. In fact, I think it wasn't until after she was gone that I realized the void, the missing bits of wisdom that I'd come to love so much. Though I was there holding her hand at the hospital on a few occasions, I was out of state when she died, and unable to return in time to attend her funeral. There are times in life when we have regrets, those tedious moments that we can't go back and change. I wish I'd spent more time with her in those final days. I was so busy and traveling so much that I could barely spend time with myself. Though I never missed being there for her birthday each year, I often missed many of the times in between. Life would intercede and demand so much of me, making each moment an unbearable choice. These days, I've learned to take life a bit more in moderation and focus on things that truly matter most. While it's entirely too late to apply this knowledge to my past, it's certainly comforting to know I'm heading into a wonderful future. Perhaps that's why I tend to focus on bits of life that are often taken for granted, ridiculously simple memories that might be lost if not captured and shared. Moments that often aren't thrilling enough to demand a memory, but always demand a place in our hearts. I've not been to that old farm in years, but I'll always have the fondest of memories and continually long for those magical days spent where the wildflowers grow. Grandparents' Day. Here in the States, the first Sunday after Labor Day has been declared Grandparents' Day, which is a lovely day for celebrating all of the grandmothers and grandfathers in one's life. I have no living grandparents, and though I've mentioned my grandmother many times as we were quite close, I would be remiss if I didn't also mention my grandfather. He passed away many years before she did, was rather quiet, and we didn't have a lot of long conversations. But I loved exploring all of the wonders that he had in his tool shed, even though I'm rubbish when it comes to working with tools of any kind, save a pen and paintbrush. When I was very young, he also seemed like a superhero, with the incredible ability to fix literally anything broken that was in sight. Many times I wish I'd spent more quality time with him, rather than just admiring him from afar, tried to get to know him better. But then I think we had the perfect relationship, the kind uncluttered by too many words that shines with love even in those simplest of moments spent together. One of the things I remember most about my grandfather was that he was often a bit impatient with me. He tried to show and teach me things, but I simply wasn't wired to be the type of man that he was. And thinking back to those times when he was noticeably flustered by my inability to work with tools or lift heavy objects, I still have very fond memories. Though I was certainly not a rugged farm boy, he never made me feel like a disappointment or like I didn't belong there. After all of the grumbling, he would just pat me on the back like I'd done something wonderful after all. I would then wander off to play with the goats and enjoy the things that came more naturally to me while feeling amazing. My hero had once again made me feel like everything was just fine, and through all of my failures I had somehow miraculously managed to succeed. It wasn't breeding some terrible form of false self-confidence, as the grumbles made it clear that I was horrible at doing those things. Instead, I was just given assurance that it didn't really matter after all. We can't be good at everything we attempt, but we should always be rewarded for trying. These little lessons have served me well as I've grown up and transformed from a little boy into a middle-aged man who's still most definitely a boy at heart. I'm not sure if my grandfather ever knew just how much he actually managed to teach me. I certainly wasn't a stellar student at the specific lessons he taught, but I hope he knew that he managed to teach me very important things after all. Grandparents are often said to spoil kids and give them more leeway than parents might, and I think this is usually true, and exactly what needs to happen in life. A person who loves me like a parent, but doesn't have to put up with all of my craziness all of the time is a perfectly wonderful person to have in my life. They were the first ones to see past those little idiosyncrasies that had already driven my parents to the brink of insanity. The first to let me know that being me was not such a bad thing after all. My parents would lovingly accept all of the crazy in the end, but their parents always managed to get there first. I have a profound love for my grandparents and hope that wherever they are, they're looking down on me with a sense of pride. And I'm sending them all of my love and thanks all of the time, making each and every day grandparents' day. thanksgiving in paris though i love visiting our family in paris and adore all of the wonderful french food there one of the favorite memories is a time we ended up returning there unexpectedly in november and yet we still ended up having a full taste of american thanksgiving philippe had made green bean casserole stuffing mashed potatoes and gravy along with a peach cobbler for dessert We didn't have turkey, but we did have chicken prepared similarly, so it was a fabulous and mostly traditional meal. It was fun to share a little taste of America with my French family. And since France seems to truly appreciate food, even the whipped cream in a can served with a dessert was simply real whipped cream with no cheap alternatives. In other words, utterly delicious. And it was proof that even if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving Day, all you ever really need is good food and family to feel very, very thankful any day of the year. Since peach cobbler is one of my favorites, it was the food highlight of the day for me. The last time I had it was on my birthday, which also happens to be National Peach Cobbler Day. Attempting to translate cobbler was rather difficult because the definition is actually shoemaker, and so that's what Google Translate serves up first. The dessert we were all eating didn't come until the third definition. The fourth definition was particularly embarrassing as it's British slang for a man's testicles. The dictionary editors bizarrely felt the need to make it clear that we're referring to male and not female testicles. The last definition comes to us from Australia and refers to the last sheep to be shorn. Needless to say, serving a dessert to my French family that shares its name with shaved sheep and testicles left me wishing it had been called something else entirely. Despite language barriers and unfortunate translations, the day was absolutely perfect. And while I was there, I snuck in an extra painting for my little niece, Elise, of her doudous, which is a French term for cuddly toys that provide a bit of comfort. I gave it to her and her initial reaction was to look past the picture and make sure her real doo-doos were still there and hadn't been magically trapped inside a frame. Once she confirmed they were, she proudly went around showing everyone her painting. These are the moments that touch my heart and remind me that there's so much to be thankful for every day. Those wonderful little moments shared with family are the ones that we remember for a lifetime. I don't get to see my family in France very often, so it makes the time spent even more precious, something so rare that it almost feels like finding gold. And though I may never again enjoy a day quite like this one, I'll always remember fondly that time I unexpectedly had, Thanksgiving in Paris. Country Music Day Grab your boots and guitar and get ready to celebrate some country music. First recorded in the 1920s and originating from the southeastern United States, this music has endured for almost a hundred years. Originally called hillbilly music, it soon became known as country and western with singing cowboys like Gene Autry and Roy Rogers, creating what music producers considered a more commercial image. Versions such as country rock and country pop developed in the 60s in an attempt to compete with rock and roll. But apart from the appeal of country music is its ridiculous simplicity. It's music born on front porches when someone decided to pick up a guitar or banjo and simply sing whatever came to mind. My father used to produce country western music shows when I was a kid so this music always reminds me of him as well as my childhood. At the time, I didn't really know or understand the Grand Ole Opry tour bus that was parked outside our home. I just thought it was cool to have celebrities come over for a party. Or that my mom once baked a cake in the shape of a guitar for Waylon Jennings, whom I didn't know at all either. But a guitar cake? How cool! Suffice it to say, it was definitely the music of my youth. Though I mostly adored folk music as a kid, there were many country songs that I loved as well. I was actually a huge fan of Ray Charles, so my favorite country song was his version of I Can't Stop Loving You. Yeah, folk, blues, and jazz were actually at the top of my list, but my dad always had a lot of country music playing as well. My dad passed away over 15 years ago now, but I can still remember him choosing music on the jukebox he purchased to decorate his recreation room. He was, like me, a kid at heart, and music was an important part of his life as well. His brusque manner often made him seem harsh, but I now remember that he would hang on each word of those songs. It was only after his death that my mother revealed to me that he used to read poetry to her. I had no idea, nor would have this been something I could have guessed from him at the time. But looking back now, it probably shouldn't have come as much of a surprise. We weren't really so different after all, and we may not have agreed on the precise musical genre, but we both enjoyed listening for the truth in those songs. As I get older, and hopefully wiser, I have fond memories of that time with my dad, those moments when we didn't have to endure our awkward attempts at conversation, but could just silently and suddenly agree on everything as we enjoyed the words sung by Ray Charles. That's the beautiful thing about music. It's more than words and melody. It's a shared emotion that can be enjoyed by two people who seem to have nothing in common. And though country music isn't my favorite even today, I still smile each time I hear it. It's not usually poetic or profound, but simply a celebration of the best bits of life along with the most loved cliches that life has to offer. And though my dad only ever drank beer and moonshine, I raise my glass of wine to him in this moment for a silent toast i can still hear the music dad and i miss you each and every day i remember each drum of those guitars and banjos of my youth and they always bring back a flood of wonderful memories a melody of life at its simplest that reminds me of an enduring love to me there's no better reason to smile and celebrate country music day kindness day. On November 13, 1997, a collection of humanitarian groups came together and made a declaration of kindness that would become the annually celebrated World Kindness Day. I love the idea of this day, which is all about doing something nice for people at some point during the day. Simple gestures, also called random acts of kindness, are highly encouraged. Why would something so seemingly simple like kindness require a dedicated day to focus on it? Because, let's face it, kindness is harder than it looks. Though I consider myself a kind person, it got me thinking about acts of kindness. This isn't something you can just sit and think about. It's something that involves another living being. I began to worry because nothing was springing to mind as an example of my kind acts. Like helping someone plant flowers. I hate doing that. Or helping someone move. That's why they have moving companies. Or helping someone paint their house. They're called painters. I'll get you the number. When someone is sick or in hospital, I hate going because I hate hospitals, and the whole situation just feels awkward. I'm horrible with knowing what to do or say and have no idea what kind of act I should be doing. I just want to leave. But then I remembered one trip to a hospital that I did take before my grandmother passed away. My grandmother was always a strong woman with an amazing sense of humor. When I arrived at the hospital and saw her, I was shocked to see a frail old woman in her 90s who seemed so scared. I panicked, wondering what the kind people would say or do in this situation. I should have brought flowers or a card or some lovely baked good or something, but I had nothing. Then I realized that being kind isn't done by following a list of social rules to be mimicked. It's not about doing something that would make me feel good. The whole point was this other person and making them feel like the world wasn't somehow different even though they were now in a hospital bed. So I walked over to my grandmother and said, What the hell are they doing to you? You look like crap. The scared expression left her face, turning to surprise, and then she managed to laugh. "'I know! It's like they're trying to kill me or something,' she said, to which we both laughed. I sat down next to her bed and grabbed her hand. "'Do you want me to kick their ass? Because I will. I wouldn't.' And she knew it. I wasn't one of her ass-kicking kin, but she smiled at the gesture and patted my hand. "'No,' she said, "'I want you to sing something for me. You always had such a lovely voice.' Then it was my turn to be surprised. I hadn't really known that was something she admired about me. By that point, my sister had entered the room and sat down in the chair in the corner, creating an audience of two. I didn't know what to say, much less to sing. I was the idiot who came without flowers. "'What do you want to hear?' I asked, to which she replied, "'Just something pretty.' And so I sang the first thing that came to mind, On the Street Where You lived from My Fair Lady, because I'd used it once for an audition piece in my previous life and still remembered it. It's supposed to be a romantic song, which would seem inappropriate, but since it was written the in the 1950s, it worked before. out just fine. But the pavement always stayed beneath my feet before at once am i several stories high knowing i'm on the street where you live are there lilac blooms in the heart of town i kept singing songs and holding her hand as i watched the blood come back into her cheeks and a smile appear Then I sang more as she laid back down on her pillow and slowly drifted off to sleep. I hadn't even noticed the tear that was rolling down my cheek, but I wasn't sad. I had managed to do the right thing just by doing what someone really needed, and she was happy again. My grandmother would stick around for a few more years after that, before finally passing just shy of her 100th birthday. I figured I'd sketch the flowers I forgot to bring that day, even though they were never really required. Sometimes kindness is just showing up, being ridiculously you, and holding the hand of someone you love. When he was a puppy, Though I got Phineas when he was only a year and a half old, he was still fully grown. I'd found him at a rescue, and that was their best estimate on his age. Unlike other proud parents, I have no baby photos of him to draw from, so I had to use a reference and tweak the eyes a bit to match his. He's actually a brindle, so he probably had a few more stripes on his face, but I imagine he looked roughly like this. Those silly extra wrinkles on the forehead and those eyes that always seem to be asking a question you couldn't possibly answer. When Phineas first arrived, he was a little terror of energy, running around the house in circles, stopping only to paw at me incessantly until I did whatever it was he wanted me to do. I was never really clear on what that was, and most of my attempts were met with a sad little stare that said, you're stupid, but you're mine, so I'll make the best of it. Many of his looks have always reminded me of kids on a playground who just uttered a dare. He was, and still is, a bit mischievous, but it's exactly why he's so much fun. Though not technically a puppy, I had to find ways to keep him amused in those early days. One of our games was shining a laser light on the wall so he could chase it. He'd zoom around the room at impossible speed, so much so that he'd often have trouble making the turns launching into one of those leg-flapping scooby-doo moves. It was comical to watch and made me giggle every time. He wasn't daunted and continued his circuit with limitless energy until, thankfully, he began to slow a bit and it was finally time for bed. If there was still a burst of energy left, I would walk upstairs to find no dog at all. Then I'd hear a panting that I swear sounded like a light giggle. This meant we had just enough time for a game of Phineas Hide and Seek. This is the only game he invented that I knew how to play properly. I'd call out, where's Phineas? and wait to hear more little panted giggles before saying, I guess he must be gone then. That's when he would wriggle out from under the bed, jump on top and stand in the middle, striking a pose that a Roman gladiator might choose after winning a fight. This morning as he lay at the end of the bed, far older now and less inclined to race around the house, I felt a sense of pure happiness. His youthful panted giggles have been replaced with light snores and each one makes me smile just the same. Though the tiniest bit of gray has shown up around his eyes, they are still the eyes that I fell in love with. Those quizzical orbs that look at each treat before it's eaten, though it's the same treat as the time before. The same eyes that shift and soften when he wants to be cuddled, but only for a few moments until a better offer comes along, or something outside the window seems more intriguing. When it comes to distraction, I can't possibly fault him there. And each moment we spend together reminds me of the first time he jumped into my lap at the shelter. Of all of our differences, the one thing we had in common was a desire to be loved. And that's the deal we agreed to on that day. Sure, he'll break my heart some wretched day in the future by leaving us far too soon. But for now, I'm content with remembering those wonderful real and imagined memories of when he was a puppy. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories.